Hi, I'm Rick Schwartz. Buenos dias, world. I'm Marco Wendt. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization which oversees the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. All right, Marco, we wrapped up our last episode with you shifting our focus to the Southwest Hub, the conservation hub of San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance that is essentially our home. And you were kind enough to give us a few hints that led us to the wildlife we're focusing on for today's episode, a species of pond turtle. That's right, Rick. And I want to remind our listeners that the area we consider the Southwest Hub not only covers the southwestern regions of the United States, but also the north and northwestern regions of Mexico. Oh, I appreciate you bringing that up, Marco, because in all fairness, wildlife does not pay much attention to our man-made borders. They just want to live in the ecosystem that they're a part of. But I do have a question for you. Oh, yeah? What's that, Rick? What made you decide to pick the pond turtle for this episode? Well, you know, Amazing Wildlife has covered Galapagos tortoises. True. And, yeah, yeah and, and the Mojave Desert tortoise oh, as well. That's true, too, yes. Yeah, and, you know, I was kind of inspired to look at something aquatic because our last two episodes were based in the Ocean's Hub. Oh, now I see how you got all comes together. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. And in all fairness, you know, there are over 300 species of turtles that we know of on the planet today. So, yeah, let's show some love for these amazing reptiles. Oh, amigo, I couldn't agree more. But before we get started, I want to make sure our audience is familiar with a few things that might come up during this interview. Oh, you're so thoughtful, Marco. What exactly do you think they need to know? Well, I think it's worth noting that we're only talking about one species of turtle in this episode, but that one species has two common names. They can be called a Pacific pond turtle or a Western pond turtle. That's right. Very similar to the mountain lion, also having many common names like cougar, catamount, or puma, just to name a few. Oh, exactly. Very good example. And the reason some species have multiple common names is because they live across a large region of land, and sometimes even different countries. So, humans in one area may identify them as Western Pond Turtle, while others identify them as Pacific Pond Turtle. <laughs> well, leave it to us humans to make things a lot more complicated than they need to be. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess it all makes sense and why that happens. So, what else do you have for our listeners? Only one more thing, Rick, All right. and that is the word riparian. That's a good one because it's important to pond turtles, but isn't a term often used by the general public. So listen up, everyone, because this may be worth some bonus points on Trivia Night. Oh, that's good. I'm about to drop some knowledge, and you're right. This will be excellent for Trivia Night. Riparian is the name of the ecosystem that is a terrestrial landscape, or let's say the land that mm. is surrounding rivers and streams. It's considered that transition area going from aquatic to dry land and is recognized as a specific ecosystem. And a very important one at that. With a riparian ecosystem, there are aquatic plants and wildlife, semi-aquatic plants and semi-aquatic wildlife and so on. And they're not only beneficial for all of that wildlife, but also for us too. Healthy riparian ecosystems are responsible for helping reduce flood water velocity, controlling erosion, and maintaining healthy waters, something that we all need. Oh, no, definitely. And speaking of something we all need, we need to head to the zoo to find out more about these turtles. All right, let's go then. My name is Kim Gray. I am the curator of herpetology and ichthyology at San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. 
<laughs> That's a very long name. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like an interesting wildlife disease, but I promise <laughs> it's not. Herpetology and ichthyology. So herpetology is the study of reptiles and amphibians, and ichthyology is the study of fish. So basically, I help our organization take care of and study reptiles, amphibians, and fish. That's a lot. That, it's a that, is, that is quite a bit. Well, yeah. not only a mouthful, but you think about how many the population density of fish and reptiles across the world. Right. Obviously, we don't have them all here represented at the San Diego Zoo and the Safari Park, but still, that's quite a bit. That's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. Talk it's about a lot. Di- diversity too. Yeah. And, and for everyone listening right now too, we're in the beautiful San Diego Zoo right now, and and I always like to reference certain species. You can find them more at one park or the zoo or the other. So. For me, when I think of like reptiles, it's really all about the zoo. I mean, you guys have amazing habitats here, right? Thank you. Yeah. And we're well known for our um, beloved reptile house. So if you are in the area, come and visit our reptile house. And and anyone who's been listening over the couple of seasons now, you might recognize Kim's voice from the iguana episode last Mm -hmm. season and also the Tuatara episode. And interesting, the Fijian iguana and the Tuatara, not always easy, especially the Tuatara, you can't see on habitat. And the Fijian iguana, not very easy to spot because they camouflage so well. But today's topic are pond turtles They've been here at the zoo for a while. Some have been over at Elephant Odyssey in the area over there to represent the turtles and tortoises of the time of Elephant Odyssey. And then also we've had some more recently at our Wildlife Explorers Base Camp. And this is pretty exciting. We have some stuff we're going to share with our audience today about future plans for the pond turtles. But before we get into where those turtles might end up, let's talk more about the species themselves. Can you tell us, Kim, the Pacific, sometimes called Western Pond Turtle, so when I was looking through the information, there was considered two populations, northern and southern, but they weren't considered distinctly different species. But you're telling me this morning, what? Right. So our colleagues have done genetics and we've looked at morphology and they've distinguished two very distinct species. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And possibly even a third that ranges down into Baja, California in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still evaluating that. Oh, really? So in case guests aren't familiar, how far north can you find this turtle? Sure. So actually, originally, there's evidence to show it ranged up into Canada, where I'm originally from, in the Vancouver, British Columbia area. So it historically ranged all that way, but it's slowly become extinct. So it is extirpated or extinct in Canada. And it was in big, big trouble in Washington state throughout Oregon into Northern California. And so that's where partners many years ago started working on conservation efforts for the species in Washington state. And so more and more as we've seen this turtle kind of blinking out in areas, we've Mm -hmm. all tried to step up and help with conservation. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves a turtle, right, you guys? I mean, Ninja Turtles, cue the Ninja Turtle music. (laughs) I mean, it started my love of turtles. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. And I know all the kids love them too. I mean, we think of turtles and water and swamps and rivers. And I know in San Diego, that can be a little tricky to find, but we have our lakes, we have our rivers, right? And is this the only native turtle that we can find in San Diego? Is that right? Actually, it is. It is? Oh. I know we talked a little bit briefly about the reptile amphibian diversity, right? And in North America, actually, we host the widest diversity of turtles wow. in the world, which really? people don't realize. I wouldn't have guessed yeah, that. I, didn't yeah. know that either. I would wow. have thinking somewhere more tropical. Exactly. But the Southeast United States is a biodiversity hotspot for turtles. Over here on the West Coast, mostly because of the habitat, it's much drier, obviously, but the Western Pond Turtle or Pacific, whichever, either, either name, way. It's the same one. <laughs> yeah, I remember right? mine, right? They're California's only native freshwater turtle. So ah. they are our little guy and we got to take care of them. Yeah. yeah. You had mentioned the numbers dropping in certain areas, now not in Canada anymore. And of course, seeing extinction in certain population areas. 
what is the, or I guess probably more than one thing, what are the challenges that they're facing? So early on, it was assumed that introduced invasive species was primary. And in some areas, certainly that's the case. Mm. But it varies from region to region. So here in the Southwest, habitat loss, and we had a lot of sand mining in the area and just diversion of water for dams in the Southwest. So lots of different things impacted them. In the Pacific Northwest, it was also forced practices, so different things. And then fast forwarding, now we're seeing emerging wildlife diseases impacting Mm -hmm. them, and then additional invasive species, so some historical ones such as crayfish and introduced non-native fish species. Mm. Lots of different tragic things affect them. And in our area in particular, drought especially, because as their habitat is reduced already, then we have catastrophic wildfires and then drought on top of that. We're seeing their numbers going down pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I want to know more about this awesome turtle. Like, what do they do in the wild? Like, what are they hunting? Are they a solitary animal? Like, tell me a little more about them. Sure. So I think they're beautiful. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> they're I'm looking at a picture, cute. you guys. Yeah, we have that yeah. uh, our San Diego Zoo Wildlife Explorers page for the yes. kids. You guys should check it out. There's some really pretty pictures yeah, of Yeah, they turtles. really are. Each individual has a little bit of an individual character, but it's kind of represented on their face. They have really yeah. cute eyes. and little, They do. Yeah, they're cute. I have to use the word cute. I think you should. We like cute too. I'm looking at them right There's now. There's nothing they're, wrong with saying cute. Yeah, they're, they're they adorable. Are. Look they at really that little are. face. I know. They really are. So... They're camouflage experts. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they're designed and have evolved their morphology to blend in. And if you look at the habitat, they have these boulder outcrops and small rocks. And so that's what they're designed to do. They primarily will eat insects that are found in the streams. They'll eat fish, worms. And they're pretty much aquatic, fairly aquatic species. But the females do use upland habitat. So when we talk about conservation of aquatic species and riparian, that means the aquatic space and adjacent habitat, the females are very loyal to their nesting sites. And it can be very difficult to track them and find out where those nesting sites are. And so they will reuse those same nesting sites year after year and sometimes almost to the exact location. Wow, really? Yeah, when you protect species. Species such as our pond turtle, you got to think about that and find those locations where the females are using that space as well. And in fact, that's some of our past work we've done is we've helped our partners, our agency partners, look at techniques that might be used as tools in the future for conservation efforts, such as head starting or um, assurance population building. So a head start is where we take the little guys, uh-huh. hatch them out, allow them to get big enough so that the predators can't, or the invasive species we talked about, can't impact them and then release them. And they've used those as models to see if it's possible and how they've done in the wild. So all the turtles that we had released are all doing great. We hear from our partners that they're doing really well. So those little guys, the idea is that that'll be the next cohort to reproduce. These turtles can live to be 40, 50 years old. Wow. Some of the ones we have were known from the wild for over 30 years. Oh, really? So we don't know their full age. So they're long lived. They live in the habitat a long time. They look kind of like rocks and they (laughs) hang out and eat fish. (laughs) And you know, what you were saying on the head start, so people are aware, like when they're tiny, they're like, I think I was reading like the size of a quarter. Is that right? Like, that's like the perfect size for maybe one of these invasive species I was reading, like an African bullfrog and just gobble one of them up, right? Very Yeah. So when you're talking about the head start, you're letting 
Australian get a little bigger. The description I read on our website was the size of an English muffin. <laughs> you that's know, funny. that's that's yeah, what they use. Funny. But you're basically saying you're going to help them grow a little bigger, right? Yes. So those African bullfrogs and other invasives won't get the opportunity to munch on these little local turtles, right? Correct, correct. And like we talked about earlier in, in Washington State, they've been doing that for many more years, and that was the goal was to get them past that vulnerable stage. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think it's really important our audience understands that sometimes we think about or hear about invasive species. Like, oh, it's a big deal. If they can live there, they can live right. there. That's fine. But the impact in the Pacific pond turtle here, Western pond turtle, is a great example where, yes, those invasive species can live there. But if they're going to wipe out and annihilate a whole generation of a particular species, after those adults are no longer reproducing, there's no one there anymore to create more offspring. So we lose that whole species because... They're bite-sized snacks for a species that they didn't evolve to yeah. be living with. Yes. So, yeah, that's really, really important. I appreciate you bringing up that Head Start program and, and some of the challenges that they are facing. I know, and you had mentioned we have had some that have come in from the wild. Talk about the ones that were brought in because of the fire that happened years ago and then where our future might be with them. Right. Well, we always have, unfortunately, seasonal fires in the region. Right. Um, and this one happened in September 6th of 2020. It was called the Bobcat Fire. Mm. And it was September of 2020. So we were also dealing with the pandemic. Yeah. And it was a big fire and it devastated over 100,000 acres of the Angeles National Forest and some other adjacent areas. And there's other species that our colleagues and us work with as well. Mountain yellow frogs are in the region and some critically endangered species of fish. So our partners, even from the LA Zoo and other areas, we all jumped to try to help. And we responded by taking in as many turtles as they could find. It was mm -hmm. 11 at the time. Wow. And so we still have those and we're taking care of them in preparation that their habitat will soon be ready, hopefully for them to go back and be released. Um, wow, that's great. Yeah, it's a sad story, but it's a story that needs to be told because like you're mentioning, it's all these pressures add up. And right. so these local turtle populations, they're impacted by their offspring being consumed. So there's not as many young animals to replace the adults. Right. And then there's the fires and then there's the droughts. And then when we have these big rains, like an El Nino event or something, that even impacts them. So all these talks about how climate change is affecting our native animals, it's yeah. certainly these should be the ambassador for that. Right. Yeah. Oh, agreed. 100%. Yeah. And if guests actually wanted to get a closer look at these animals and learn a little more, there's some areas at the zoo that we can see them, correct? Can you highlight some of those areas in case sure. they're not aware? So in Elephant Odyssey, we have a stream habitat and that one's lovely. It looks really native. And that's an area we talk about a lot of animals that were here in California during the Pleistocene era oh, cool. and have persisted. Mm -hmm. So imagine these turtles have been in this area for a very, very yeah. long time. Thousands so, and thousands yeah. of years. Yes. Yeah. So we want to make sure they stay here. So mm -hmm. we're doing what we can. And then also in the Wildlife Explorers Base Camp, we have a few. And we have a few males that our education team can use even as ambassador animals so people Wonderful. can get up close to them. Wonderful. So knowing all the challenges they're facing, knowing what the work is that not only ourselves, but our partners in other zoos are doing across the West, to give them Head Start programs or, you know, talking about bringing those others back into their native habitat now that the habitat's been restored from the fire. Why is this species important? Why should the average person care about a Pacific pond turtle? That's a great question. And it can be difficult for guests to get out up to these spaces and see them in the wild. Yeah. But they are an important part of that riparian habitat that we talked about, the stream habitats in California. And being... California's only native freshwater turtle, 
that plays a key role in that environment. They're a higher predator species. And so they help maintain that balance in our local streams. And additionally, as we mentioned, North America, and particularly the United States being a hotspot for turtle diversity, they're under a lot of threat. And so I think all of the turtles in North America need some level of protection and preserving. So whether you get the opportunity to see them out there in the wild, they are, all of them are main, helping maintain our natural habitats by playing those key roles. Mm-hmm. And they've certainly been here so long. So whether they're eating invertebrates and help keeping the stream ecosystem going or being food for other native animals, they play that important role. So mm-hmm. having them there and also they're, Again, I'll say it. They're cute. <laughs> Sorry. Well, and that's just it. That's just it. You know, it's, I remember years ago talking to one of our partners in Africa about elephant conservation. And we can list, just like you did, all the important roles that this animal plays in the ecosystem, part of the web of life, all that stuff. But then also there's just the iconic side of it. This is California's only native turtle species. What does it say about us as a species ourselves? If we can't step up and make sure that that iconic species stays with us on this planet and doesn't go extinct because of our behavior, right? I mean, that's that's kind of a yeah, big deal. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And especially for us in California and anyone in the Southwest, we know how critical water is to us. Right. And yes. dealing with drought, and again, speaking of an, an animal that can be a little bit ambassador for this is... If we can protect the turtle, that means we're protecting the water that is critical for us and our habitats that we love, we enjoy. We go camping, we go fishing, and all of those things that we love about California, that's key. And so, if again, if we can protect and conserve the turtle, then we're doing our own selves a great justice, too. Exactly, exactly. It's like that one health concept, right? We talk about it all the time, you know? Helping out wildlife is going to help out those communities living side by side. And to Rick's point, too, I got to say, you know, like I'm a native San Diegan, you guys. I love the wildlife we have here. And, you know, at the zoo and the park, we all get excited when we talk about the tiger and the elephant. But (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Man, right? But we have so much cool wildlife, you guys, here in San Diego. If you're driving, look around. If you're not, if you are driving, look at the steering wheel. But check out the the natural (laughs) environment around you. You're right, this dry sage versus the beaches, a forest here. I mean, we have so much cool wildlife. And I'm still blown away. The only native turtle that we have here in San Diego. And we were talking about this earlier. Like, I grew up in Escondido, and I'd go to Lake Hodges a lot, and a lot of these riparian areas, too, and appreciate all the amazing wildlife. And I would see, you know, some other turtle species now realizing some invasives out there, too. The red-eared slider is, is one of them, right? Right. And... I think it was a, back to that show I love, the Ninja Turtle. I think it was a fad at one point. You know, we see something exciting and then, oh, and all the little kids want to go out there and buy a Ninja Turtle. It was for Dalmatians, it was the particular puppy, right? And mm-hmm. these things happen. We get excited. We were just saying we love wildlife. But now as I get older, I'm seeing more and more of these red-eared sliders in different areas. Can, can you talk a little bit about that and how we're influencing local habitats with this particular species? You know, I mean, even for kids. What would you say? I mean, is it a good idea to have a turtle? If so, what would you recommend? Or if not, you know, what would you say? What would you say to those kids out there? That's a great question. I think the first thing that I would suggest is do your homework. And I know homework is not a fun (laughs) thing for kids, but especially for mom and dad to help. Um, is it's a long-term commitment. Like yeah. these turtles live to be 30, 40, 50 years old. Some tortoises we have can live to be over 100, our Galapagos tortoises. So yeah. it's a very long commitment to animals that do require special needs. Pond turtles in particular or any aquatic species require like 
really good water, filtration, a good diet. And that means a lot of cleaning and it's a lot of work for kids, which translates to a lot of work for mom and dad. I was just going to say that. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, or auntie and uncle, mm-hmm. depending. But it's just, again, for the red-eared sliders, they are actually, I think, the number one, if not yeah. up there, for the IUCN red list, mm-hmm. their most invasive species. Oh, really? Globally oh. speaking. And why oh. is that? The pet trade. Okay. And yeah. so, so people um, letting them go after they decide them, they don't yes, want them, right? Because it's such a commitment. So having pets is, you know, it's difficult. So one thing I would suggest is do your homework. Yeah. And then maybe think about getting a local membership at your zoo or aquarium and you can go visit your favorite turtles every day. Yeah. Right. We have other alliance colleagues who have amazing websites like the Turtle Survival Alliance has a fantastic website that offers a lot more information where you can even like adopt conservation programs. And then regionally, too, some cities have local reptile and amphibian societies or turtle and tortoise societies. So folks can do a little bit more homework there and look into that. But certainly, I would suggest not jumping into getting a pet turtle right away. Do a lot of homework and maybe contact your local zoo or, or aquarium and ask for advice. A lot of times the education departments can offer alternative ideas. That's such a great point because we were talking earlier before we started recording that as humans, we start to feel a connection to certain animals. Uh, and, uh, right. You know, we're saying how cute the pond turtle is, right? Well, cute leads to, oh, I want, right? A, a kitten's yeah. cute. I want a kitten. And we fall in love with the idea of having that cuteness in our life daily. Mm-hmm. And so then we want to go to the pet store and get one. And I love that you brought up that so many cities and communities have turtle groups or clubs because a lot of them have rescues. And so instead of getting another pet that's going to potentially get released, if you start educating yourself through these clubs, you learn about what kind of commitment it is. And maybe you can be a part of the club without necessarily having to purchase another turtle somewhere. Or to your point, Kim, go to your local zoo or aquarium, get that membership, go see them every day. Because it is, although yes, we want to be with that cuteness and have that in our lives, we also have to respect the fact that this is a living creature that'll live 40, 50 years. I really appreciate you sharing that. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's important for people to really understand that Conservation doesn't mean you have it as a pet. Exactly. <laughs> Conservation means that you look into how can you support those ecosystems and those individual species in their native habitat. Right, right. And again, Mark, you mentioned like these unwanted pets. Once yeah. they realize how much work it is, people are tending to just release them. And we advocate that you contact your local reptile amphibian society or turtle and tortoise society and they like find a place for an adoption and, and yeah. talk to people in your community that are experienced and they'll help you. Great advice. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, admittedly, you guys, I had one when I was little, and but luckily I had a neighbor who was willing to adopt my turtle because <laughs> what you guys said, I'll admit it, mom, if you're listening, you took care of the turtle and I, we, it was too much work. It was a little stinky water too, I meant it. But yeah, we, we affect with our decisions every day or right? we can affect our environment. So that's really, really good advice. I appreciate that. There's a question Rick always asks that I love and I'm really curious to your answers for this one is like, what got you into reptiles? Did something happen as a kid or, or <laughs> yeah. this is later on in life? You know right. what I mean? I don't mean in a bad way. Yeah. I'm a right. guy, no, right? no, That's no, what yeah. I mean. You, just yeah. a little bit you guys than know I what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, tell me, what's up with the reptiles? No, I love this question too, because sometimes it translates also. It's like, what is your favorite animal? Of course <laughs> right. it's reptiles, but I can't just pick one. Mm-hmm. I have always 
wanted to do what I do right now. Always. I can't remember thinking of anything else I wanted to do. I remember being really, really little and going to my local zoo at the time. It was the Assiniboine Zoo and going and just being in love with reptiles and amphibians, in particular snakes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to work with king cobras. Ooh, they're beautiful. I don't blame Amazing. you. I mean, yes, they're dangerous, yes. but yes. they are gorgeous. Yeah. Snakes. They're yeah, just they're very really smart. So I don't know. I just, that's all I've wanted. That's so cool. From day one. Yeah, that's from so day cool. one. I love it. I that's love it. Great. Well, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been so much fun. I love the story of the pond turtle. Mm -hmm. I love that, although it's facing so many challenges, so many people are stepping up to help it out, to prevent its extinction. Our zoo, other zoos, other organizations. You mentioned the Turtle Survival Alliance. And again, I want to give a shout out to them because, like you said, their website is filled with so much great information. If there's a turtle lover out there, Mm -hmm. yes, support your local zoo, but also check out other resources like the Turtle Survival Alliance. It's wonderful. Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. I just love doing this podcast. Being able to talk to so many people who have followed their passion and are now living their dream, it's just so inspiring. Oh, I know. I love it, Rick. And the best part is the one thing that connects it all together. The wildlife. Ah, that's true. And to take it a little beyond the passion that connects us all to wildlife, almost every person we have talked to this season has also pointed out the bigger connection. Like Kim said about protecting the pond turtles, when we work to solve the human-made challenges that wildlife faces, we're also taking care of the ecosystems that we need for our survival too, like healthy waterways. Exactly. And even if you do not live in areas where the pond turtles are, it's always good to remember that you and your local wildlife need healthy waterways. So be thoughtful about what goes down the storm drains. Most storm drains were designed with a rainwater runoff in mind. So, you know, they tend to go directly to the local waterways. I mean, it could be a creek, a river, or even a lake. And most of those eventually make their way into the ocean. Great reminder, Marco. We all live downstream from someone, and someone lives downstream from us. So it's always a good idea to keep trash and pollution out of storm drains so we can keep our local ecosystem healthy. Oh, definitely. Oh, but you know what, Rick? That actually gives me an idea. Mm, What's that, Marco? Well, you know, you said local ecosystem, and, you know, it kind of got me thinking, how do you feel about sticking with the Southwest Hub for the next episode? Ah, great minds think alike, Marco. Wait, are you thinking what I am thinking? Safari Safari Park Park Biodiversity Biodiversity Reserve. Reserve. Perfect. Be sure to subscribe and tune into our next episode in which Marco and I head into the hills above the Safari Park to learn more about our local biodiversity reserve and the amazing amount of mammals, birds, reptiles, and plants they call it home. I'm Marco Wentz. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. For more information about the San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park, go to sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios. Our supervising producer is Nakia Swinton, and our sound designer and editor is Sierra Spreen. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. (laughs) 